0: I've been jacked up about this series for quite some time. Can't wait for us to kind of get rolling with it. It's going to be the next six weeks. The title of the series, Conversation, is Long Story Short. The question is, why in the world are we doing this series? You need to know that so that we can get going today. The reason we're doing this series called Long Story Short is because in this room, there is quite a very diverse exposure to the Bible. There are some of us in the room that may have been reading the Bible for a long time. Others of us, we know stories about the Bible, and yet the truth is we get. Confused with how the Bible all fits together. Some of us are—we just know enough of the Bible to be dangerous if we were honest, right? And then there's others of us. who are like, man, I'm just starting my journey. I don't really understand the Bible. I get confused as to where to start in the Bible. For a lot of us in the room, uh, reading the Bible is like putting a puzzle together. Raise your hand if you're in the room. You like putting puzzles together. Let me see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Some about half of you, right? Uh, personally, I hate it, but my uh, mother-in-law and my wife love doing puzzles, right? And. So So we have plenty of puzzles. If I came to you and I simply said, hey, here you go. I got in this Ziploc bag. I don't know how many are in here, maybe 500, 1,000 piece puzzle. And I gave you this Ziploc bag and I said, hey, I want you to put this puzzle together. You're like, well, thank you, particularly if you like putting puzzles together. And you would begin the process of putting the puzzle together, right? So obviously the process of putting the puzzle together is grab the pieces of the puzzle, see if you can find pieces that fit together, see if you can find the edge. But there would be one problem that would make this particular exercise extremely frustrating. What is that problem? The problem is simply this. You have no idea. You ready? You have no idea what the picture is that you're putting together of the puzzle is. And see, without the picture of the puzzle, all of a sudden you realize, man, I got all these random pieces and I hope I can fit them together. But I don't know if I'm putting together a picture of landscape. I don't know if it's somebody's face. I'm not sure what I'm doing. Here's the point. Many of us, that's the way the Bible feels. Many of us, the Bible feels like we come to church, maybe we grew up in Sunday school, and people gave us these random pieces to a puzzle called the Bible. And so we have pieces that like, hey, I like that. That's really cool. It's the story of David and Goliath and like everybody loves that story, right? And so I have that piece to the puzzle. And then, then there's this Daniel story. And and then we got this guy named Paul. Well somehow he fits in the story and and, and then there's this really, really important part of the story. That seems to be the, the story of Jesus part of the story. And so I like that piece to the story of the Bible. And so we got these random pieces, but the problem is we put all these pieces and we have no idea how they Fit together. And so, for some of us, what we do is we just carry around random pieces to the puzzle. Some of us were really, really smart about the Bible, so we got like lots of pieces to the puzzle. Others of us, we figured, well, we got these pieces to the puzzle because when somebody's got a really tough thing they're dealing with in life, I throw pieces to the puzzle at it, right? And I'm like, well, that's how you deal with it. Others of us, like, I'm just going to give up and I'm not even going to try to put the puzzle together. Why? Because we don't have the big picture. Here's the purpose of the series. The purpose of the series, praise God when you get a puzzle, they give you a box with the picture on it, right? And the purpose of the series is to say, what if we for the next six weeks gave you the box? What if we for the next six weeks simply said, hey, what in the world is the big picture of the Bible? What is the big story of the Bible? These next six weeks, I simply want to unwrap for you the big picture of the Bible in six weeks. You ready for that? We've got to buckle our seatbelts. We are going to cover, ready? We're going to cover the entire Bible in six weeks. Isn't that cool? The entire Bible in six weeks. Now, let me tell you what I'm not planning to do. Let me set your expectations. I'm not planning on proving the Bible. I'm not planning on answering all the questions about the Bible. That's not what I'm planning to do. What I'm planning to do is spend the next six weeks uncovering the big story, the big picture of the Bible. Here's why. Because the Bible, no matter what you were told, the Bible is not a manual of morals. The Bible is not chicken soup for your soul. The Bible is not basic instructions before leaving earth. But the Bible is this grand, this great, this unbelievable unfolding drama that involves God and man and the world. And here's why this is important. Everybody, look here. Everybody, lean in. You got to get this. Here's why this is important. Because every last one of us, even if you're like, I don't believe in the Bible, every last one of us, all of us, all of us, say it out loud with me. All of, and that includes you. All of us have a long story short even if you're like, I'm not a Bible person, I'm not a church person, all of us have a long story short. You're saying, Dan, what are you talking about? All of us have a story through which we look at life. It's a prism through which we determine what's important in life, what we value. All of us have a long story short. All of us have a story of where we think we came from, where it is we're going, and that story is what helps make sense of the middle, the part we're in right now. All of us have a long story short. You have one, no matter if you're a church person or not, no matter whether you believe in the Bible or not, you have a long story short. And your long story short is the very thing that instructs what you value. It instructs and inspires what is a priority to you. It instructs and inspires your purpose for living. It instructs and inspires the place you see yourself at in this world. It instructs and inspires the destiny you see your life going towards all of us have a long story short purpose of this series for the next 6 weeks is simply to say okay god gives us his story so what is his story long story short because the bible listen i want to make sure i'm clear about this to get us going the bible claims to be the true story of god the true story of the world the true story of mankind You probably guessed I was going to say that. Let me go one further. The Bible claims to be the true story of God, the true story of the world, the true story of mankind, but it is way bigger than that. The Bible, listen, claims to be a better story. And so even if you came in here this morning and your long story short, the way you look at the world has nothing to do with the Bible, can I at least for the next six weeks say, would you consider God's long story short? Because God and the word of God and the Bible claims to be the true story of God. It claims to be a better story and we're simply gonna unwrap it in six simple acts. This week we're gonna look at creation. So that's why you have your Bible open to Genesis 1. For those of you who like to get ahead in class, you can write these things down. It'll tell you where we're going. Next week we're gonna look at the curse. We're gonna look at the curse. Simply something happened in the story I'm glad the story doesn't end there, aren't you? Because then we're going to look at covenant. There's a God who promises and pursues and chases us, which leads us to Easter week, and we're going to look at the cross. And then from the cross, we're going to lead to the next part of the story, the part we find ourselves in right now, which is the church, which all culminates and leads to the very end of the story, which we find at the end of this library of books called the Bible. And we're simply going to look at the recreation where God makes everything new. For the sake of this morning, for the next few moments, I want to look at Genesis 1, Act 1, and the act of creation. To understand the long story short, you have to start at the beginning. Unless you start at the beginning, you're never going to make sense of the middle, You're never going to understand your place in the story, and you're never going to totally grab the end. It's like walking into the middle of a movie. Anybody ever done that? You're walking in the middle of a movie. It's like, that can be confusing. I hate it, right? Because if you walk into the middle of a movie, they've already played the first part. All of the characters are set. The plot line has been unrolled, and you walk in the middle of it, and you're like, what is going on, right? How did we get here? A lot of people, that's the way we engage with the Bible. We walk into the middle of a movie and we're like, what's happening? How did we get here? And what is coming next? I like the way a guy named J.D. Greer puts it in his book, Not God Enough. I love this. He said, if you want to end up where the Bible ends up, in the new heaven and the new earth of Revelation 22, listen, then you better start where the Bible starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth he said, let me put it another way. If you can believe Genesis 1.1, you won't have any problems with the rest of the Bible. Because if you can believe that there is a God who miraculously created everything in the universe, you aren't going to struggle over the other miracles of the Bible. Why in the world should you struggle over the resurrection of Jesus if you're willing to believe there's a God who spoke the stars into space? I love that. You see, What you have in your laps, what I have in my hands is a library of books. And we said this in the last series, it is God's story. It is all God's story. And that's what we see from the very beginning. In fact, in Genesis 1, God is mentioned 35 times in the first 31 verses. And the Bible, this may surprise you, the Bible does not try to prove God. It assumes God. In fact, it makes it really interesting because look how it starts out. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1. look at it with me. In the beginning, God. Let's stop. We gotta, we gotta make an observation. You're like, we're gonna get through the whole Bible in six weeks this pace, right? In the beginning, God, the beginning, listen, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be confusing unless you're dialed in right now. The beginning of the story as revealed in the Bible, listen, do I have your attention? The beginning of the story as revealed in the Bible, are you with me, is not the beginning of God. In the beginning, the God who has no beginning, quite frankly, no end. It's how the story starts. Like the beginning of the story as it's unveiled in the Bible is not the beginning of God. It tells me something really, really important about the long story short, and that is this. God is eternal with a forever perspective and a forever plan. The Bible states that God is eternal. He has a forever perspective, a forever plan. The story of the Bible starts in the beginning with a God who has no beginning. So important, Psalm 90 says it this way, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world. Look at this, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Listen. Listen. God is not the effect of some cause. God is the original cause. That's where the long story short begins. God is eternal. He is forever. He does not change. His character is rooted in the fact that he is a forever God. And that means this. He has a perspective that will blow our mind. In fact, it makes me think this. He's saying, Dan, help me understand. Here's what God does in the Bible. Ready? Everybody look here a second. You ever think about like every Sunday, there are several, there's like hundreds of you that come, right? Between services and the place downstairs can get crazy and crowded. You ever notice that? You ever wonder like what the, the cafe looks like from the viewpoint of a child? You ever wonder that? Like I do. I, I look for kids, right? Like I like to fist bump them, high-five them, like they, they bring a lot of joy to me. But you ever wonder like what what our cafe looks like from their perspective? Like like they're about this high, right? And so from a kid's perspective, they're walking around and it is a sea of people. And so from their perspective, you know what they see? Legs. That's what they see, right? Like imagine being a kid. All they see is legs. It makes me think of one child in particular. His mom and dad usually come at ten, and uh, uh, I, I was looking for him at ten. I'm, I'm not sure. If maybe they're here. If you're here, I apologize for not telling you. I'm going to use this, but uh, they have a child. He's about five, and I know this child. And he's really a happy. And I look for this child. And this child, if he were to walk around with his mom and dad, he sees legs. And when all you see is legs, it's like, where are we going? And where's the hot chocolate? And who's over there? And what's happening? All you see is legs. You have no perspective. After each service, I like to be out at the entrance because I like to meet and greet and holler at people, and so I look for this child in particular. And it seems like at least 75 to 80% of the time when this child comes out, he is never here just seeing legs. He's always up on his dad's shoulders. And up on his dad's shoulders, guess what he has? He has a perspective that he wouldn't have unless his dad went just like this. And every time I see this little guy whose name happens to be Johnny, every time I see him, he's like looking out and he's like, wow, I'm I'm taller than you, Pastor Dan. He's got this perspective that he wouldn't have. The story of the Bible is this eternal forever God who says, hop up here. I wanna give you some perspective you couldn't have on your own. And he sees things I don't see. He knows things I could never know. Write this down somewhere on your notes. You have to do it. There's no slide for it. God is wiser than I think. Even if you're sitting there saying, I think God's wise, he's wiser than you think. He's wiser than you understand. He is an eternal God with a forever plan, And perspective. And not only does his story start way before creation in this eternal forever perspective and plan, but your story does. Listen, your story does not begin at creation, your story begins in the heart of this eternal God with a forever perspective. Ephesians 1, I love this, says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. This drama that we stepped into was written in eternity past. It will go on in eternity future. And a God who is all wise, eternal, has a forever perspective, who knows what I do not know, he writes us into this eternal drama. God is eternal. He has a forever plan. He has a forever perspective, which leads to something else really interesting in in the long story short. Now, you got your Bibles, right? Some of you have read this part before, and there's a part that I talk to people all the time that's a little confusing. Because when you read Genesis 1, it's like the creation, right? And then you read Genesis 2, and it's the creation. And you're like... Why in the world did God put two creation stories in there? Like, I wonder why he did that. Like, you ever wonder that if you've read, like, read Genesis 1, you're like, okay. And then Genesis 2 is like, let's start over, right? Let me tell you what's going on. In ancient literature, here's how you need to read this. Genesis 1 is a prologue. So if you like that kind of stuff worth writing in your Bibles, it's a prologue. It's like before a movie when they roll the prologue, like Lord of the Rings or something, and it kind of gives you the setting, That's what Genesis 1 is. It kind of gives us this wide angle lens to what's going on in the rest of Genesis, right? Genesis 2, after it gives this wide angle lens, it says, okay, now let's get down to the story. And it begins to tell the story. And when you look at Genesis 1, this wide angle lens, you see something that's important and fascinating. It says, in the beginning, this God who has no beginning He is there, and I want you to hear what I'm gonna say because some of you may not know what I'm getting ready to say. This God we see in the beginning is in complete control in the long story short of the Bible. You're saying, Dan, why is that such a big deal? Listen, this is what you may not have known. Maybe they didn't tell you this in Sunday school or church or wherever you grew up, whatever. But there were, even in ancient times, all kinds of creation accounts. Did you know that? Like people were trying to figure out how we got here and how in the world this thing happened and where we're going. And there were all kinds of creation accounts. And every long story short of creation outside of the Bible somehow was the result of chaos, explosions, and disruption. But not the long story short of the Bible. In fact, Genesis 1, look at it with me. In the beginning, God. Look at this God in control, created the heavens and the earth. Earth formless, empty, darkness over surface of the deep, spirit of God hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. Lights got turned on, there was light. God saw that the light was good, separated light from darkness. God called the light day, darkness he called night, evening, morning, first day. Tells us something very fascinating about the long story short of the Bible. I want you to write this down. That it tells us of a God who is sovereign and he created with power, And he created with order. That the God of the Bible, the long story short, is that he is in complete control. And when he created, he created simply with the power of his word out of nothing. In fact, Psalm 33 says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He spoke, it came to be. He commanded, it stood firm. Hebrews 11, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. You got to write this somewhere in your notes. There's no slide for it, but can we just say God is not just wiser than we think, but he's bigger than we realize? Can you write that down somewhere that God is not just wiser than I think, but that God is bigger than, Than I realize. The long story short of the Bible is that it is of a God who is bigger than I realize. Are you tracking with me? I'm fearful that you're not tracking with me. God's bigger than we realize. God's bigger than we can get our head around. I know you're not with me. I'm sure of it. I can see it in your faces. Will you take a trip with me? Will you take a trip with me and consider just for a few minutes? Because I know you're not with me. I can tell it. I can see it in your faces will you consider with me for a few minutes the enormity of the universe? You're like, I'm not a science guy. Neither am I. Stay with me. I wasn't real good in science, but I can get this. If you and I just consider the enormity of the universe, if you and I could travel at the speed of light, you know how fast that is? <clears throat> it's 186,000 miles per Second. Turn to your neighbor and say that's fast. Turn to your neighbor and say that's fast. I want to make sure you're awake. If you and I could travel at 186,000 miles per second, it would take you—listen close—eight minutes to get from the Earth to the Sun. To go from the Sun to the center of the Milky Way would take you 33 years. The Milky Way belongs to a group of some 20 galaxies known as the local group. To cross the local group, you'd have to travel at the speed of light. I don't know if I said this or not, 186,000 miles per second for two Million years. The local group belongs to the Virgo cluster, part of even a larger local supercluster, which would take you 500 million light years at 186,000 miles per second. To cross the entire known universe would take you about 20 billion with a B light years. I don't know if I said this or not, but that's 186,000 miles per second. Can we just say God is bigger than we realize? It's what leads Isaiah to say the following, and you need to see this. God says, To whom will you compare me? Everybody, look here a second. Isn't it true that we want to compare God to all kinds of things? God, you're big! Just like my big brother. God, you're you're big and you're strong, just like my daddy. Everybody look here a second. Uh Uh-uh. Not even close. It's like he's bigger than I realize. Because he says, Who are you gonna compare me to? Like there is no box for that. There is no comparison. He said, Or who's my equal? And then he says, just do me this favor, lift up your eyes like we just did. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength? Not one of them is missing. Guys, do you know something that astrologists and astronomers tell us this, that with our naked eye we can see just over 9,000 stars? Did you know that? Like that's how many we can see? And so we've gotten kind of good and, 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 and we've begun naming some of them and we've given some of them some really cool names like Betelgeuse. I love that, right? Like we call stars names. But the vast majority of the over 9,000 stars that we can simply see with our naked eye, we have no name for. The vast majority of the stars that we can see with our naked eye, we call something like this Star SAO 067173 star. And yet, if I'm reading this right, God, the one who created, is so big that everything we just talked about and beyond, he calls by name. And he has a name for each one, even the ones we can't see with our naked eyes. You're saying, Dan, why is this so important? I love what J.D. Greer says. He says, We don't need a God who is merely the missing piece in our dissatisfied lives. We need a God who rules the universe. The sentimental, precious moments God who offers pat answers and rides around in the passenger seat of our lives, making things smoother and happier, that God fails to offer a sufficient explanation for the glories and mysteries of the universe. And simple logic shows us that only a God of this size could have created the universe, and that's the kind of God and greatness we crave. You see, the long story short is that God is bigger than we realize, and he is a God of order and rhythm. God speaks it so. Look at what it says. God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw the light was good. He separated light from darkness. He called the light day. There's this order. God is a God of orders. Day one, he turns on the lights. Day two, he makes the sky. Day three, the dry land and gathered waters and vegetation. Day four, he puts the lights in the expanse of the sky, sun, moon, and stars. Day five, animals in the water, animals in the sky. Day six, animals on the land. And then the pinnacle of his creation, man is created in the image of God. He is a God who brings chaos to order. He creates something out of nothing. He is bigger than I realize. He is wiser than I think. That is the long story short of the Bible. But don't miss this. Ready? Ready? He's not just wiser than you think. He's not just bigger than you realize. You ready? God, the long story short of God is he's better than you dreamed. In fact, You're saying, Dan, where are you getting that from? Well, look at Genesis 1. I'm grabbing it all right there. God said, let there be light. There was light. And God saw that the light was, what's it say? The light was what? Good. Don't read past that because seven times in this account, we see God saying that what he created is good. What's the point? God is good. And he creates with beauty, and he creates with design. In creation, we see the goodness of God. God creates out of the goodness of who he is. Psalm 34 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. In the beginning, we see the goodness of God. And when he creates, everything we see flows out of his goodness. This is so important. In fact, the goodness of God is seen in the grandeur of what he created. Psalm 19, what Pastor Aiden read earlier is this, heavens declare the glory of God, skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 104, may the glory of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. Listen, God's goodness is seen in the grandeur of what he's created. In case you didn't believe me, if you and I traveled 93 million miles away, we'd run into our sun, and our sun is 11,000 degrees on its surface. It's a flaming ball of gas so powerful it would take the sum of the United States gross national product, 7 million years to run the sun for one second sun is 100 times the diameter of our planet, and yet it is one of what astronomers tell us are over 9,000 stars we can see. That's how many stars are visible to the naked eye. They estimate the number of stars right now to be about, I didn't even know this was a word, lean in, the number of stars right now to be about 3 septillion. That number is constantly expanding That's a three with 24 zeros after it. The magnitude of a number followed by 24 zeros exceeds our comprehension. Now think about the fact that there are at least three septillion stars, each one putting out roughly the same amount of energy as a trillion atom bombs every second. Some are so big they defy description, like one in our Milky Way, which is five million times brighter than our sun. God's goodness and his greatness are seen in the grandeur of what he's created. Not only that, it's seen in the diversity of what God has created. God's creation is amazingly diverse and is completely overwhelming. For example... Only a tiny fraction of all the species on the earth have been discovered and named. Biologists have cataloged a total of between 1.5 million and 1.8 million species. Estimates of the true number of living species range from 3.6 clear up to 1 million. Two amazing examples of God's infinite creativity and the beauty of his creation in one two-and-a-half-acre area of Brazil's rainforest. There are 425 kinds of trees. In one small corner of Peru's Manu National Park, there are 13, listen, 1,300 butterfly species. God's goodness seen in the beauty and the grandeur and the diversity of his creation, but not just in the diversity, not just in the grandeur, but in the detail and design. God created with unbelievable detail and design. If there were no trees or plants of any kind, we could not live. Why? The plants provide the oxygen we need to breathe. We provide the carbon dioxide the plants need to live. Think about the amazing balance God has put in creation. Our planet is perfectly designed to sustain life. If we were closer to the sun, we'd burn up. Further from the sun, we'd freeze. If the earth were a few miles smaller in diameter, the density of its atmosphere would be so thin that the earth would not retain enough heat to sustain life. The earth's waters would freeze to such a depth that all other forms would perish. But if the earth were a few miles larger in diameter, the air would become so dense that too much heat would be absorbed, resulting in the death of everything. Even the slant of our earth tilted at an angle of 23 degrees gives us seasons. If it wasn't tilted at exactly that angle, we would not only lose our seasons, but life would be unable to exist. What's the point? The point is the long story short of the Bible and the God of the Bible is that he is eternal. He's wiser than I think. That he is sovereign. He is bigger than I realized. And that he is good. He's better than I dreamed, which at least the one last thing, and then we got to make some conclusions. Because right now, by now, you're like, wow, I feel small, and God is big, and that's okay. But that's where the story, the long story short, gets fascinating. Because when you peel back the long story short of the Bible, you realize something about this God in the Bible. And it's found in Genesis 1. I want you to see it with me. Genesis 1, verse 26. It says this, then God said, you with me? Then God said, let me make mankind in my image and in my likeness. Is that what it says? If you think that's what it says, you're not tracking with me. Look what it says. It says, God said, let what? Say the next word out loud. Us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Listen, the long story short of God is this, is that a God, when you peel back creation, who has always, listen, this is going to twist your brain. It's okay if it does. A God who always existed in perfect community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He lived in this perfect community of love, that that God who lived in perfect community is the one who created us in his image. It tells me this about God, that God is personal, and he created from relationship, and he created for relationship. The long and short story of the Bible and of God is not only is he wiser than we think, he's bigger than we realize, that that, that he is a God who is better than we dreamed, but this God, listen close, this God is closer than we imagined. He's closer than we imagined. He is a personal God and he created us out of his love. Listen, I want to correct something. Some of you grew up in church and and you were taught something. Some of you, in fact, I've talked to some people today. Some of you were taught this in Sunday school and and it was a well-meaning Sunday school teacher, okay? So I'm not criticizing them. But they taught you that God created man because he was lonely. Listen, God did not create mankind because he was lonely. God created out of his love, not out of his loneliness. That is key. He lived in this perfect community of love and what he does when he creates man is he invites mankind into that love. The long story short of the Bible is that the personal did not evolve from the impersonal. The intelligent did not originate from the unintelligent. The living did not come from the non-living. We've been made by a personal, intelligent, relational, living God in his likeness And that's why it says in Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made and it was what? Very good. Now, everybody look here. This flew through a lot, right? The long story short of the Bible is that he is eternal. He has a forever perspective and plan. He is sovereign. He creates with power and order that he is good and he creates with beauty and design and that he is personal and he creates from this relationship he's always had within his being to invite his creation, namely those he created in his image, into relationship with him. Everybody look here a second. I want to tell you something. Some of you grew up in church and I want to correct some thinking. This is where the story, the long story short begins. Some of you grew up and you heard that the story begins. In fact, this is the way you share the story of God. The story of God begins, man sins and then God redeems. Listen, the story doesn't begin there. If I start the story there, I start in the middle of the story, and I miss a big, very important part of the story. The story starts with a God who is eternal, who is big, who is good, and he creates, and he is a God who's personal, and he invites. That's where the story begins. You're saying, Dan, why are you so bent on that? Because it's only, ready? It's so important. It's only when I realize this story, the long story short, that I'm able to find my place in the story. You see, it's only when I realize the long story short of what God says at creation that I can even begin to understand what it means to truly be human. It's only when I begin to understand God's long story short that I understand three really important things. My place in the world, my purpose in the world, and my priority in the world. Let's start with our place in the world. The Bible story gives me insight into what it means to be truly human, and so for me to find my place in the world means this, because I was made in the image of God That means this, that we have been made to reflect God's glory to the world. We've been made to reflect God's glory to the world. This reality, okay, this is not academic. This reality changes the way I see me. Me understanding the long story short of God changes the way I see me. You're saying, Dan, how does it change the way you see you? Because when I understand God's long story short, I realize, this is worth writing down somewhere, no slide for it, I am not the creator, but I am distinct from the rest of his creation, I was made in his image. I'm also not just an animal. I'm not the creator, but I'm not just an animal. I'm not the playwright, I'm not the one who wrote the story, but I'm not just an extra. Here's why this is important. Teenagers, young adults, if you got kids at home, listen, this is where you got to begin because the story of the Bible tells us that we are people made in the image of God with dignity, value, purpose, and worth. I'm made in the image of God, and because I'm made in the image of God, I have worth and dignity and value. It's where the story of God begins. Sometimes we start it, you're a sinner, we're going to get there next week, it's a big part of the story, but he created and what he created was very good. It changes the way I see me. Can I just say this? It changes the way I see everyone else. Everyone else I encounter has been made in the image of God. Every person I talk to made in the image of God. C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people. That's why if I am going to be somebody who embraces the long story short of God, I can never write anybody off. That's why if I'm going to embrace this story, I treat all people with kindness and reverence and respect. Listen, listen, that's why if I'm going to embrace God's long story short, now listen, I want to be clear about this because those of you who know me well enough, I want to make sure I'm clear about this. What I'm getting ready to say is not anything close to a political statement because that's not what I'm going to do from the front, but it is a relevant statement. If I'm gonna embrace God's long story short, that means all lives matter. Unborn lives, old, senile people lives, people from different cultures, different races, different genders. You see, that's what it means. It has great ramifications for my life and how I see others. The story of God is what holds us accountable to the way we treat each other. Our idea of civil rights is grounded in this understanding we've been made in the image of God. It helps me see my place in the world, but that's not all. Look at Genesis 1, verse 28. He said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and of every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give every seed bearing plant in the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they'll be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all he had made, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Here's the deal. The long story short of God not only helps me see my place in the world, I'm not the creator, but I'm distinct from his creation. It changes the way I see me. I have value, dignity, and worth. It changes the way I see you. You have value, dignity, and worth. But it also helps me see my purpose in the world. And my purpose in the world is simply this. We have been made to multiply God's goodness in the world. That's our purpose. He said, I want you to multiply my goodness in the world. I want you to cultivate. I want you to innovate Contrary to popular opinion, work is not a result of sin. We have been created to work, to innovate, to cultivate, to care for the creation. Here's the way I would say it. We were made by our creator to cultivate, innovate, and procreate. We have purpose. And it's not until I lean into the long story short of God that I realize my place in the world that I realize my purpose in the world, but there's one last thing, and here's where some of us are disappointed because we haven't found our place in God's story. Because when you read the story of the beginning, creation, you eventually come to man's first dilemma. And man's first dilemma is not what you think it is. Man's first dilemma is found in Genesis chapter 2. Look at it with me for a moment. Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be, what? Alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. Here's the deal. When you read the long story short of God, you realize we were created from relationship for relationship. In fact, I would write it this way. We have been made to enjoy relationship with God, and with others. Now listen, listen. That's our priority in the world. Our priority revolves around enjoying relationship with God and relationship with others. Everybody look here and then we're gonna pray, we're gonna be done, look here. If my priority is to enjoy relationship with God, and with others, can I ask you this? How's that going for you? Is like the most important thing in your story, the story of your life, the relationship that you enjoy with God and with others? Because maybe if it's not, you've lost sight of the long story short of what God's created you for. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and the truth be told, you're like, I'm not really a Bible person, Dan. I'm glad you're here. Can I ask you a question? What's your long story short? Like, what's your long story short? Because you have one. Where do you think we came from, and where do you think we're going, and how does that somehow instruct what we're doing in the middle? Because your long story short does somehow instruct what you value, what you prioritize, and what you see as your purpose. Some of you are here and you're like, I'm a Bible person, I'm a Christian, and so then I would say, boom, but I feel like I've had all these puzzle pieces thrown at me all my life. So I know all these little Bible stories And here's my challenge to you. I challenge you to simply come for the next six weeks because we simply want to show you the box on the outside of the puzzle and say that God has this big picture. And maybe for you, the benefit is say, oh, now I can begin fitting the pieces together. But can I ask you this? If you're somebody who would say, I'm a long story short person that embraces the Bible and God And if God's long story short is that he is eternal and wiser than we think, don't you think he's wise enough to trust? Because I know none of you struggle with this. I know none of you struggle with this, but I do. Occasionally I'll tell God, if you could just see what I see, you would do what I would do. And God's like, I've been around a while. Why don't you hop up on my shoulders here? I got a perspective you don't have. Listen to me, guys. A God that big and that wise is way too big and way too wise for me to just somehow try to jam him into my little story so that he becomes a precious moments God that I carry around so that my life's a little smoother. But a God that big and that wise says, I want to invite you into this big story. Because I'm not just a big, eternal God who's sovereign. But I'm a personal God who's closer than you imagine. And I love you. And I want to invite you into the drama. So God, that's where we begin. I pray that, God, you would help us to somehow begin seeing the picture on the outside of the box. Some of us are sitting here this morning and we're not sure if we believe the Bible, and my prayer is, God, that for the next five weeks that you would help us to at least consider the long story short of the Bible and of you. God, there's some of us here that we would say that we believe the Bible, but we never knew how the pieces fit together, and I pray that you would help it to become clearer to us, and God, that as it becomes clearer, that you would help us to quit trying to jam you into our little story and to somehow find our place and our purpose in your story, and if some of us are honest in here, we've lost our way because the thing that matters most to us isn't enjoying a relationship with you and enjoying a relationship with others. But something else has gotten in the way and just as the big story of the Bible is gonna tell us, there is a reason that's happened. But I am so glad that you're a God who makes it possible for us to be reconciled to you and to enjoy relationship with you and others. So God, I pray that you would use this series even to revolutionize the way we see the puzzle pieces of your word. We love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name.